Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Giving the Sports Biz. You know the drill, Dan of Owen out in San Francisco, California, representing the West Coast and out on the East Coast, the one and only. We're talking about the NFL agents, the agent for all teams, all athletes from all venues and all sports. Say hello to Matt Molino representing New York City. Dan, what's up? How are we doing this weekend? We're doing well. So as I mentioned, it's not only we oftentimes, I would say more often than not, we talk NFL, although we'll bleed into Major League Baseball, whatever's topical as far as the finances and when it comes to money in sports. But one of the things that, that I know you like to delve into and something we talked about on the last, last podcast was soccer or football, as it's referred to. I'm going to give you two names, maybe not household names. It's not the Bills and the Patriots, but rather Brantford versus Swansea City. And it's the EFL Championship, of course, ladies and gentlemen. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The winner will play in the Premier League, and they're going to make an additional $300 million. Now, there's a lot to pull back there, a lot of layers. First of all, Break it down for us. Talk about the tiers. In other words, if you're an owner and you buy one of these teams, if you can move up a level, move up a tier, how that increases the value of your team and the opportunity to play in the Premier League and why that's an additional revenue source of some $300 million. Talk Brantford versus Swansea City in the EFL Championship and what it means from a financial standpoint. Yeah, you bet, Dan. You bet. So, yep. So, obviously, you know, people are familiar with the English, the English Premier League, you know, a top flight. Uh, in the UK and, and probably, you know, the most popular league in the world. Um, so one step below that is the EFL championship. And, you know, what uh, business executives, people have done for years is, and why you're seeing an, an excess now is the the pyramids that are set up in, in Europe compared to the United States. So in Europe, you have, uh, we'll just use England for an example. Um, you know, you have the, the Premier League, the Championship, League One, League Two, you know, all the way down the, the pyramid you go, um, you know, seven or eight divisions. And uh, one thing you can do is, um, you know, the, the top three teams are promoted, the, the bottom three teams are, in, in some cases, bottom two teams are relegated. Um, and, you know, the top two teams in the, in the, the EFL Championship this past year, Norwich City and Watford, um, they finished the regular season one and two, uh, respectively. So they go up right away. Um, then three, four, five, and six, uh, Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley, and Bournemouth play a, play a playoff. Um, and we're, we're now left with Brentford and Swansea. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's certainly, you know, kind of not epic, but, you know, it's a nice, you know, Swansea's been up and down. Brentford has really made their, you know, made their living in the third and fourth tier over the years. Uh, so to see that, to see them get, you know, in this position to, to possibly move up is, is great. Um, and, you know, they're actually, their owner is a, essentially he's a, he's a gambler. Um, you know, he's, he's worked and has owned betting companies, data companies within that space. Um, you know, and that's really what he has put together with his, with his club. Um, you know, Brentford city is based off of data. That's what they use uh, in terms of recruiting players. They felt that there was a bias automatically on certain players. So they took that out and used data. Uh, Swansea city, you know, has, has been a, a club, like I said, has, has moved, you know, up and down, uh, had been in the Premier League, have been, you know, in, in championship and, and in the second and third tier as well. Um, but essentially what you're playing for, this is the most expensive game on the planet. Um, you know, you're playing for $330 million in guaranteed money. Um, and that is based off of mostly the English Premier League's television money. Um, now, obviously, um, you know, 
if you're put in a position to, to, you know, you, to, to play for this game, it, you're, you're doing something right. But, you know, basically what is different as an owner uh, when you're talking about all this investment in European soccer is that, you know, this is realistic. You can buy a club for maybe 12 million euros, 20 million euros. Obviously you're, you're putting money into those clubs over the years. Um, you know, when a club is in a tough financial situation um, and, you want to you want them promoted every single year. Um, now, obviously, it's very difficult, but um, this is the payoff. Uh, this is you know this is what you're talking about. This is what you're looking forward to, and this is something that doesn't happen in the United States because there's no promotion or relegation. So, um, when you saw all the pushback about the European Super League, this was part of it. Is that you know, hey, look, you know what? You, you'll you'll never have that dream. You'll never have the tradition of getting the opportunity to go from the fourth tier to the top tier. Um, and that's what this is. This is a, you know, kind of a dream coming to a realization. You talked about the $330 million and the richest purse. If you win this game, does that trickle down to the players as well? So it, it does in a sense um, that 330 million that's in television revenue. Um, there are, it does, there is a trickle down effect, but really what it does uh, for the players is in their contracts and most clubs I'd say the majority of clubs have both what they call promotion and relegation clauses. So when clubs are promoted um, just like, you know, an incentive driven contract uh, when clubs are promoted from league to league uh, players benefit players are, are given their bonuses, not just team bonuses, but individual bonuses as well. Um, and the, quite the opposite when a, when a club is relegated um the same thing happens. And in some cases you have players taking a 30 to 40% pay cut. And just as that, you know, when, when players are, when clubs are promoted um, you have players that are, that are getting 20, 25 and 30% more in their salary, uh, especially when it's promotion from the EFL to the premier league because of that, you know, that financial windfall. Um, and with that, you know, obviously, you know, you had no fans in the stadiums the past year. You're, you're, you know, if you're getting promoted now, you're just really hoping that there's going to be fans in the stands next year, um, not just for, you know, eyeballs in your club, but for, you know, from a, a revenue standpoint, merchandise, uh, ticket sales, game day revenue, everything that goes into it, um, you know, food and beverage, um, you know, hospitality, everything like that. When you're up in the Premier League, you know, you want to make the most of it. Um, so that 300 million, that 330 million is, is the guaranteed portion. Um, that's really what's coming off of sponsorship, television, commercial deals, commercial enterprise. But also um, when you're a club, you know, that's, that's kind of hung out in the third or fourth tiers for years. Um, you know, this is a time for your fans to really, you know, get behind you and, and come to the ground. And that's what, you know, that's what this is all about as well, too. We've seen professional teams, certainly brand names appreciate here in the United States. I think I saw something recently with the Golden State Warriors and yeah. their, their current ownership group with Joe Lacob and company bought the team just five years ago. And it was something at uh, 450 million, I believe. And it's now appreciated where it's worth somewhere upwards to three, Five. three and a half billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. That might be sort of the outlier, but could you see anything MLS potentially where there would be a similar structure here in the United States? Uh, similar structure to Europe, you're saying? To what we're experiencing in the, in the EFL championship or the premier league. Unfortunately, no, not right now. Um, and, you know, the reason for that is, you know, there is no promotion or relegation here in, here in MLS. Um, and be, the reason is, is that, you know, when the league was started, uh, the initial owners that, that you know, um, that group of rookie owners, they wanted assurances that, 
um, they were going to make money. So it's, it's very similar to an NFL model ownership model, uh, where the league is, you know, beneficial. It's a single entity structure where, um, you know, the way they make money right now, their, their biggest source of revenue is expansion. So you have MLS clubs being bought for 330, $350 million. Whereas, you know, you go, you know, over to Europe and you, and you can pay, you know, six, 12, you know, 24 million for second, third and fourth division clubs over there with the, the dream of moving up the ranks um, here because that initial group of owners said, look, you know what, you, you told us back in 1994, 1995 and 96 before the league started that there was going to be no promotion or relegation. Uh, that's, that's how it is right now. There is no, and it's, it's a stuck, um, it's a stuck system. Uh, it's a lock system. Um, so there, you know, you won't have a, you know, a team being bought for, you know, $11 million um, in this, in the third tier of, you know, uh, the U S soccer pyramid, which is called the USL um, with the hope of, of being promoted, you know, year after year. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, there isn't that situation here. The national football league to bring it back home have agreed the players association as well as the NFL to a $200 million salary cap. And as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, that is the biggest salary cap to date. Walk us through the numbers. How do they come to that agreement? And when does that go into effect? So that's the projection for uh, 2022. And it would be the biggest. It would be the first time it's over $200 million. Um, so the cap, you know, it's based off league revenues. And obviously, like we talk about, you just saw the NFL sign massive, massive television revenue deals. You've seen uh, them add betting, you know, into the mix uh, with, with Genius Sports. Um, so you've seen them, you know, really uh, excel quickly um, coming out of the pandemic. Um, so this past year, or I should say 2020 into 2021, the cap actually dropped uh, to 182.5 million from 198 million dollars, um, which was only the second time it's ever dropped. Um, but what the NFL and the NFL play, Players Association decided to do uh, was basically spread those that drop over multiple years. Um, and then obviously, you know, with that, you know, you're you're expecting fans to be back in the stands. Um, like I just mentioned, some of those. Um, you know, data and television deals uh, that are that come into effect. Um, you know, the NFL and Players Association realizes how much of a, of a windfall is going to come in the 2020, 2021 season heading into 2022. Um, now, basically what they did, the, the league and the union said was, look, 208.2 is the, is the, is the top. Um, it's, it, you know, it might go, it, it might be um, projected to go above that. But if there are excess funds, um, those funds will be used to pay back uh, player benefits, um, $17 million in player benefits that were essentially uh, canceled or, you know, I, I guess the right word is canceled um, because of the pandemic. Um, so essentially the league and the, and the players association um agreed that $17 million in benefits per club um, that normally are available to players would be, you know, made or would not be available. So if anything goes, anything above 208 million, if it's 210, if it's projected at 215, that excess to that excess $7 million is going to go right back to the clubs to repay that $17 million in benefits. If you're an average player in the NFL, how incentivized are you by this 
by this news? Is it something that has a direct cause and effect with your paycheck? You know, I don't think, um, you know, I don't know how much players look at it as a cause and effect, but I think one thing that they do see is that um, when you do have news that hits that way, right. That they, Hey, look, you know what, this is the first time it, it's going to be a $25 million increase. Um, it'll be the first time it's over $208 million. I think it does open up some eyeballs because you just see um, how significant uh, the NFL is as a business. And, you know, if you're a player, if you're, you know, maybe 50, 51, 52 on the roster, um, you know, I, I got to think it, it, it lights a fire under you because you see what's possible. You see that, Hey, look, you know what? Yeah. I might be getting, you know, seven fifty this year, um, $750,000 this year, um, you know, and, and maybe 900 next year. Um, and then my contract's up. Um, and you know what, I, I got to play for, you know, my next deal. And that's how I think players look at it. Um, you know, a lot of guys are on year to year deals. It's not, you know, it's not guaranteed money. It's not 300 million for 14 years like the New York Yankees or San Diego Padres. Um, that's not the way it goes in, in the NFL. Um, it's, it's a lot of year-to-year deals. So I think when players see, all right, you know what? Yeah, there is a $25 million increase uh, coming in next year. I want a piece of that. I want, I want to get a part of that. I want to get what's mine. Um, and I think that's how players, you know, uh, view it and certainly react to it as well. Matt, is this year a little bit more normal as far as some of your clients? And I'm talking about specifically the undrafted free agents OTAs, getting an opportunity to interface and talk to, to coaches and, and teams and, and getting a chance to, to at least demonstrate what it is that they can do and making it easier for them to, to make a team as opposed to last year during the pandemic? Definitely. You know, there is, there is more of an offseason this year. There are OTAs, um, even though the Players Association has advised, uh, you know, especially veteran players not to go. They've advised all players not to go, not be in team facilities because of COVID. Um, but realistically, you know, if you're a rookie, if you're a guy that, that's making, trying to make a roster, you got to be there. Um, you know, you're, you're essentially an intern, you know, showing up. Um, you got you got to be there and make an impression. They have to see your face. Um, so, yeah, this year is, is certainly more more normal. Um, it's, it's, it's back to I wouldn't say back to 100 percent of what it was pre pandemic, um, but it's certainly more normal. You know, I think you'll be, you'll you'll see some normality uh, come training camp. Um, obviously this year there'll be a reduction in preseason games from four to three. Um, but you'll still see that, that normality, uh, coming back at the end of July, July 26, 27, when training camp kicks off, um, players, there is, you know, there is a full, uh, rookie transition, uh, program. Uh, there was one technically last year, but it was all virtual and, you know, very tough. And I think you saw that with a lot of rookies, um, you know, trying to learn playbooks. Um, you saw that with teams that had a lot of new moving pieces. You saw that with the Super Bowl champions, Tim Buccaneers, with all those new, you know, new parts. Um, you know, it took them a little while to, to gel and, and get things going. Um, and I think also you see that with quarterbacks who were new to their their franchise last year going into year two. You know, someone like Cam Newton, who had no offseason, um, learn a new playbook, learn a new system you know, should have a big leg up in year two. Um, and I think you'll see that a lot with, uh, with players, uh, certainly with rookies this year, uh, or sorry, rookies who were rookies in, in 2020, uh, really taking strides and making big strides in, in 2021 because they had that full off season now. One thing we have seen this year, unfortunately, is that contentious gray area where you have, we have these 
you can't necessarily work out in the team facility, but they're promoting that you work out. But should you sustain an injury and it's not an an organized team activity, the team, (laughs) the Denver Broncos, are not liable in terms of picking up your contract. Do you want to give or shed any light and and talk about some of the particulars concerning that? Yeah. And it's a tough spot to be in. Um, The Broncos have happened. This has happened twice now. It's happened with Juwan James, one of their offensive linemen and Deshaun Hamilton, a wide receiver. Um, Yeah. And I mean, you're in a tough spot because, you know, the NFL players association is telling guys, look, you know, don't go into the facility, work out on your own. The flip side to that is, if a guy works out in his own and gets injured, it's considered a, a non-football injury and they go on the NFI list. And when that happens, the team, the club is, is not responsible. They're not responsible for the surgery. If there is one, the rehab, if there is one, and they're not responsible to pay a salary, they can cut him, which, you know, we, you've seen them do with these two players and it's both Denver Broncos players. Um, Wait, let me now, cut you off. Why would the players association say, don't go into the facility? So the, 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 kind of the genesis of it, the thesis of it is that they didn't want players going in because they wanted to stay within the COVID rules. They didn't feel that the, the facilities it. were um, uh, ready for players to go in there. Um, and, and, you know, it was a, each, each facility is different, right? I, I guess you can't really just put a, you know, put a net around everybody and call everyone the same thing. Um, you know, so while I understand the intentions were good there, I don't really know if the players association had thought through all the, you know, all the different parameters or situations that could arise from it. Um, and this is what has arisen, you know, has, has, has come out of it is that players are, are vulnerable then. And, you know, something that, you know, they need to look at then is, you know, now like someone like Juwan James, who, who might have to file a grievance against Denver Broncos, um, you know, the players association is filing, filing it on his behalf. So the, the players union, or the, the association that told him not to go in, you know, stay away. He ended up getting hurt is now, you know, backing him up, um, after the fact and you know look if you're a player you're you know i think he's i think he's lost 10.3 million i think that's a number for him um you know this this year so you're feeling salty about that i i gotta think he is um you know so do you really want you know you're kind of rooting against the whole situation i mean yeah you want to file that grievance but you know do you really want the players association coming out looking good after they told you you know hey look you know what this is this is how this is our recommendation so it's really two sides of the coin there. And it's tough. Um, I understand why they did it. I understand that, you know, they're the pandemic obviously, and, and they wanted to stay within the COVID protocol or pro COVID guidelines from 2020. Um, but they didn't have an agreement there with the player, with the, uh, with the league office and the teams. Um, and, and this is the result of it. You know, there's a lot of casualties over the last year due to the pandemic and COVID-19. And that might be two of the most egregious. I mean, I'm talking about, and obviously I'm not talking about the physical casualties and the people that lost their lives, but the people that sort of the verticals of, of athletes and owners, whether it's a loss of money or in the case of these two gentlemen that essentially have lost their career, at least for the time being and getting cut from the Denver Broncos due to, well, let's face it, COVID and the pandemic, which hopefully following this year is going to be in the rear view mirror and behind us. And when we get back to football this year, it'll be full capacity. We're going to be talking about sold out stadiums and right back to where we should be. And that's about wins and losses and who did well and who didn't instead of who's wearing a mask, who got tested and, and all of the craziness that, that unfortunately was part of our lives on a daily basis over the last year, year and a half. All right, Maddie, that'll do it for now. For Dan Avone, or for Matt Marino out in New York City, this is Dan Avone.
representing the West Coast. Until next time, reminding everybody to give them the sports biz. Got it, Dan. See you, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.